Praise the Lord for that. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, if you would. Let's look at a little bit today of why we're not who we used to be and what it was about us that has changed and is changing. That's one thing about Christianity. It's not like you get it all on day one and you stop growing, stop learning, stop getting more and more of God. When we stop, we're either backslid or we've moved beyond the curtain of time. We want to keep on growing, don't we? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I find such a paradox in that statement. Whenever we truly receive the mind of the Lord, we're not going to try to instruct him. Actually, instead of us trying to change the mind of God when we pray, we pray God will change us to fit his mind. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now look at the meaning of this word. Understanding, judging, the capacity for spiritual truth, the faculty of perceiving divine things, of recognizing goodness, and of hating evil, the power of considering and judging soberly, calmly, and impartially. It's easy to see from the meaning of this one word, the majority of Christendom in this day does not have the mind of Christ. They cannot judge between right and wrong. They cannot judge between light and darkness. And I find that so sad with the world out here. But what I find even more sad is among how many Christians can. They can look right at something that's as wrong as wrong can be. And off the word, off the word, just totally off the word. And they'll look right at it and say, I don't see nothing wrong with it. That is scary. I said, that is scary. Now watch, Paul, again in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded, wow, is death. To just, just to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, and listen what we were when we were born, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And what you notice the way he says it, he doesn't say that the carnal mind is at enmity against God, but the carnal mind itself is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God Neither indeed can be. So it's not like then that our carnal mind one day will just finally give in and it'll just comply to God. It's totally 
impossible. The carnal mind can never be subject to the law of God. I'll tell you what's bad. It's when you take a carnal-minded person that's not truly been born again and get them anointed with a religious spirit. Brother, you're talking about in a fix. Because remember, a religious devil is seven times worse than any other devil. So when a religious devil will anoint the carnal mind, it's nearly an impossibility for a person like that to ever get free on their own. We were born carnal, and therefore we must be reborn spiritual. We were born carnal. Let me say that to you again. We were born carnal, and we must be reborn spiritual. I mean, I'd like to be remembered today as we pray. I got a call from Lance this morning about 8.30, and the doctor had just left his room, and uh, his uh, pancreas is doing some better. His numbers were down, <clears throat> still high but down from what they were. Um, and the doctor tells him it's just going to take some time, going to have to be basically on a, a liquid diet for weeks, possibly even months. Um, so he needs, really needs a, a touch from the Lord. A um, couple of spots on his liver, or the pancreas rather, that they're watching, just want to make sure that they don't get infected. Absolutely nothing they can do to keep it from getting infected but we know someone who can, don't we? Yeah. Of course, if it does get infected and becomes bad, they'd have to have part of that removed. So we're just trusting the Lord. So doctor told him it'd have 40% chance of leaving tomorrow, 70% chance of leaving on Tuesday. So it's just, if you don't mind, if you just agree with us together in prayer that the Lord would just help him and touch him and give him strength in his body. You have a need, a request on your heart today by uplifted hand. Heavenly Father, we count it a great privilege that we could be gathered together here today in your presence with children of God of like precious faith. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've come to the earth, that we might be redeemed, as we just heard the song so beautifully sang. We were in that captivity of sin, seemingly no way out. The law could not do it. The prophets could not do it. So you came yourself, and we're so thankful. We ask you today, Father, that you would help us. Lord, may we realize why we must, absolutely must, have the Holy Ghost within us. There's only one way out of this world in a body change, and that is to receive your nature inside of us. Help me that I can get out of the way, Father. Anoint me, but please anoint the people as well. Be mindful of the needs of your children today, all the sick, Father. Bless your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The carnal mind is not only in a state of war with God, but the carnal mind itself is actually against God's being. It reasons against him. It resents him. In one way, the carnal mind wishes God was not. The carnal mind does not like a superior one telling them what to do, what they must do this and don't do that and how they have to live. 
The carnal mind feels it's worthy itself to exalt its own opinions above God's word and God's way. And the carnal mind would like to bury the remembrance of God deep within its own perceptions and its own thoughts. This is the way every one of us are born, with a carnal mind. And yet we know reading, praying, meditating, going to church, all those things are good. But none of that will rid you of the carnal minds you're born with. It's sensual. It's perverted. It's not right. It's corrupt. It denies the existence of God's power in His Word in the way that He wants to be. I think what I'm saying to you that the carnal mind may not always deny God's existence, but it wants to deny God the right to be able to live in you and I the way he wants to. And yet God turns that right around and says, I want to take your carnal mind from you, and I want to give you access into my mind to where you will no longer struggle against my will, but actually my will will be so inside of you and a part of who you are, you'll find my will overtaking your own. All the self-help books in the world, all the professional people you'd be able to go to here, all the preachers, and many of the preachers in this modern day, they're nothing but psychologists anyway, so they just stand in the pulpit and try to psych you up, you know, your psyche. Brother Branham used that word a time or two in the message, your psyche, which is your mental part. So they try to use your psyche and give you a religious psychology of how you can be a better person. And you try to do things better and just be a better person. How can you ever take a snake and make a better snake? out of a snake? How can you take a hog and make a better hog out of a hog? And we were lower than that. We were lost. We can't do this on our own. Now listen, friend, if we're not careful, we try to take the message of the hour and work it the same way on people's psyche and try to make them different, and then we find out some of them are doing the same things the people out here is doing. The message within itself, just by memorizing it and reading it, will never do it, no more than the Bible will. But it takes the power of God to change us from within. The the carnal mind is such an enemy against God. Notice how Brother Branham, I mean, he shares several things with you here this morning, if you don't mind. He said, sometimes God's ways are so hard that to the human mind to comprehend, you just think that it's ridiculous. You think God's way and the way that God would do something, it seems ridiculous. I want to ask you to raise your hands this morning, but I wonder how many of us have actually thought that ourselves. When God would do a certain way or go a certain way or display his will in a certain way, and we think, that makes no sense at all. Why in the world would God ever do this or God do that? Why does God want me to do this? Why don't want God me to do that? It it don't make no sense. Why would God not want that? Well, you understand what's doing that ciphering for you, don't you? It's that carnal mind. 
The carnal mind will always try to take God's word and try to minimize the power and maximize the shortcomings. It will take the reasons why you cannot do it. It will multiply them. And the carnal mind will give you every excuse fathomable and it will make perfect sense to you why you cannot do it and explain to you that God perfectly understands. That's the carnal mind. But the spiritual mind says, that's a lie. If God says it and God requires it, God's obligated to give me the power to be able to live it. And somebody said, Now notice he said faith is ridiculous to the carnal mind. Ridiculous to the carnal mind. It's crazy to anything except God and the one who has faith. Then by faith we see we believe the things that our eyes, our mind does not declare just because that we believe it. So the carnal mind, even when a Christian is saved, now remember there is an element about you that is totally eradicated by the new birth. And there's an element about you that's carnal that'll be there until the day you die or the day you are raptured. Now I don't want to confuse you this morning, but there's two realms of extreme carnality. And remember, there must be a part of that carnality which must die. And that is what Paul is referring to as the mind. And yet, there is another part which is the flesh. Because when you look at the New Testament and you see the word flesh and you see the word carnal, it will be interchanged. They will go back and forth for the exact same Greek word. So it is sensual. Now we read it and we think, well, it's two different things. Well, in one way it is, and another way it isn't. How many knows you've got the Holy Ghost and believe you've got it today? Is there a carnal element about every one of you that think you've still got the Holy Ghost? You still got a carnal element you have to deal with? Yeah, yeah, me too. But yet, if we've truly got the Holy Ghost, then the carnal mind that we had when we were in sin absolutely is dead. It no longer exists because if it's not, you will never be able to serve God. You can never serve God with that carnal nuos that you were born with. It will not allow you. It has such dominance in our life, we can never overpower it with psychology. You can absolutely look at your wrongs and your shortcomings and make up your mind, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna quit this, I'm gonna stop that, I'm gonna do it and have every good intention. You may have quotes and and, and scriptures on your phone and you pull it up, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna repeat it, I'm gonna say it over and over again. But if there's not a power within you that eradicates that nature, it will overpower you every time because we cannot do it within ourselves. This is why Paul says it with such an emphasis and makes it absolutely emphatic that the carnal mind cannot be subject to the will of God. And yet that's where many Christians are today. They still have that carnal mind that thing that they were born with and they're trying to use that psyche and bring it to a state to make it subject to the word and you'll never do it. You may subject it for years and years and eventually it will get tired of it and it'll buck up against the word of God and it'll say, I'm sick of this, I'm out of here, I'm not not doing this no more. 
But you see, if you're truly born again, that old man's dead. That force that was in you is no longer a force to be reckoned with because it is dead. What's this in a time of decision? Now, he said we can't reason it out or study it. We just only, only model our minds up. So when we try to reason it out and study it out, it just muddles up our minds. Don't you love these Harvard terms? Muddles our minds. And there's only one way to do it, that is to have faith that God promises and God is able to perform and that settles it. Now watch it, some of the things that the carnal mind will say. A carnal mind wants God to bring the birthright down to their level. So the carnal mind wants to bring the birthright. Now this is what so many of the preachers of this modern day have to do. They have to compromise in order to have a following or a crowd. They're going to have to compromise and bring the new birth, the birthright, down to a level that you can still drink and have it. You can still smoke and have it. You can still be addicted to porn. You can still be addicted to drugs. Now we've got Christian drug addicts and we've got Christian drunks and we've got Christian this and Christian that. Those words shouldn't even be used together. Come on now, but what do they do? Either that, if they preach the truth, they won't have hardly nobody to preach to because they cannot, many of them preachers standing in the pulpit are not born again themselves. They're not born of the Spirit of God. Any man, I don't care what denomination he's in or if he's a message preacher. If this word is not his father and his absolute, he is not born again. I don't care what he says. I don't care how much he screams, jumps, runs, hollers, heals the sick, even raises the dead. If this word is not his father and his absolute, he's not yet born of the spirit of God. Somebody said. So the carnal mind then will reason. A carnal mind wants God to bring the birthright down to their level. But for me, and I believe all true born Christians, we meet it on God's level. That's where we want to meet it, Right? But the carnal mind then wants to bring it down. Now, if God will lower it, and God won't, of course, but the churches will in order to meet it. And then, of course, they have to make all the excuses. God understands why you can't live right. God understands the age is so dark, and it's just so wicked and so wretched, and and nobody can live right anymore. Nobody's even got the Holy Ghost. You know, the sad part about it is that that crept into the message years ago. And there was preachers that was preaching nobody had the Holy Ghost, that were all waiting on it. Well, it's evident a lot of them didn't have by the way they went. But I believe there's still sons and daughters of God on the earth today that have the same Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. But the carnal mind wants to bring it down. Then if God will lower his standard to the level of the carnal mind, then the carnal mind has no problem then releasing that individual's body and letting them go to church and say, well, I'm a church member. I belong to this church. Why? Because the standard has been lowered because the carnal mind has this built-in mechanism of self-defense. It does not want to die. It does not want to die because it knows there is no resurrection to a carnal mind. In other words, it's that first nature that you were born with. I cannot imagine how awesome that it must have been in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were there in the presence of God and day by day, we don't know exactly how long they were there, but Father would come down in the evening and he would lay them down and he'd stretch out Adam's arm and he would lay Eve over on her arm and he'd say, children, how was your stay on earth today? 
Papa has come down to kiss you goodnight. And the tiger and the lion and all the animals would come up in the garden and they would come up in the evening time to the cathedral of trees and there the wind would begin to blow and the presence of God would come down and the pillar of fire would hang among the bushes. And Papa would come, oh, and they just sensed his being all around them. They never thought anything about murder or death or sickness or gossip or lying or anything like that because they had truly the first round of the spiritual mind. And then when they walk away from the program of God, you see, it wasn't just them that fell. But since this planet here belonged under man's jurisdiction, then the planet at earth fell. We know it's groaning this very day, desiring to be clothed upon with its millennium garments. And then for the eighth day to be dressed for the city itself to come down. And Adam not, was not only the only one that fell, but the earth fell, the animals fell. They, a lion never looked at a sheep and looked at it as lunch. You know, a wolf never looked at a little lamb and looked at it as supper. So when Adam fell, everything under his jurisdiction fell with him. And all of a sudden, there was a carnivorous nature that began to raise up in the lion, in the cheetah. And I've been there in the plains of the Serengeti. And you watch them and there's something that's just as natural for them to kill as it is natural for us to be a human being. Where did that come from? It was never there in the beginning. It was never there for Adam to ever struggle with old age. It was never there. And when that image of God left him, all the supernatural part that went out and something else that moved in. And you watch that carnal mind displayed. And whenever the voice of God come walking in the garden in the cool of the day as it was, and he said, Adam, Adam, where are you? And he said, I'm afraid. I'm afraid and I hid myself. I heard your voice in the garden. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I told thee that thou shouldest not eat? So there goes the spiritual mind from him. And then this carnal mind, self-defense, excuses. Notice the first display of it. Have you eaten of the tree? Oh, the woman that thou gave me, she's the one that done it. Then notice, here comes the woman. Well, it wasn't me exactly. It was the serpent. He beguiled me and I did eat. Oh. And the carnal mind starts defending and making excuses. Well, don't sit there and look at me like Adam was the only one. Every one of us here today had the same thing. And I do hope had is past tense for a lot of us. But whenever we're born again, then God projects his own mind, a piece of intelligence from deity, which makes us think different thoughts. Now, we still have our own human mind. And the human mind will still reason. The human mind will still, but God, I don't understand why you do that. Lord, that that don't make any sense to me. Why would you do that? But think of it, those of you that have the Holy Ghost, that is only your human nuance. That is not that thing that Adam gave you by the fall. Now, it's so similar. They're twins. And people will false identify that carnality left in their human element and they will talk themselves out of being born again. And they'll think, I'm not different because that still raises up. It always will because it's in this. The Greek word is sarx, S-A-R-X. And it's the carnal, sensual part of you. Your flesh still ain't got the Holy Ghost. 
Come on now, your flesh still ain't got the Holy Ghost. That's why you can't trust it. It's an animal. It's an animal. Is that right? But yet the carnal mind, watch. Brother Emma says, one man can read. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. The carnal mind will say, well, in a way he is. The spiritual mind will say, in every way he is. Now the carnal mind then will say, well, sorta. But he, he don't do those things he did in the book of Acts. He does in our church. He does in lots of churches around the world that I know of. But there are many, many carnal minded. Well, that was for the apostles and we don't need tongues anymore and we don't need miracles anymore. I beg to differ with you. I think we need them now more than we've ever needed them. We got more sick people. We, we need the power of God to transform us, don't we? But the carnal mind will say, well, yeah, sorta. I mean, God, you know, I mean, he can save people and he can do things, but as far as miracles and signs and wonders and things like that, we've got doctors, we do. And, and, there, and thousands and thousands of people are dying every day under the care of them doctors. So the doctors do not have the perfect answer for everybody. Is that right? So the carnal mind then will say, now notice the carnal mind doesn't always say, well, there's not even a God. Some carnal minded people will say, well, there is a God. Yeah, there's a God and he can save, but he can't heal. Wonder how come? Wonder how he can save you, but he can't heal you after he saves you. That makes no sense to me. Well, he can save, but he can't give you the Holy Ghost. Well, I'm not sure if he can't give me the Holy Ghost, if he can really save me. The word saved is a great big word. When you look at what all it involves and what it is absolutely the miraculous thing that it does when it saves you, it takes a pretty big miracle for God to save a lost man or woman. I figure if he can save me, he can heal me. If he can heal me, he can fill me with the Holy Ghost. If he can fill me with the Holy Ghost, he can rapture my body. But the carnal mind will say, well, in a way he is. But the spiritual mind will say, in every way he is. He gave a commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. These signs shall follow them that believe. The carnal mind will say, that was for the apostles. So it lets you know that we have some carnal-minded preachers in this message. Because there's carnal-minded preachers that say, well, we don't need that no more. We're up here at the top, we don't need it. I'll show you where he put it in the Bible. You show me where he took it out. But carnal minds still want to say the same thing. The spiritual mind will say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Into all the world, I am part of it. How many can say you're part of it? Notice again, he said, now we find out these revelations come and a man hears it. He recognizes it to be God. Then he acts on it. The carnal mind hears it and said, foolishness foolishness and walk away from it. So watch now. So the carnal mind will still allow some people to be very religious. So they get that carnal mind with this religious demon on them. Oh my goodness. You talking about arguing the Bible. They love to argue the Bible. They love to study it in order to try to trip people up to prove that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And to prove that he has not changed. And they get that devil on them. Lord have mercy, they'd be better off as a drunk. You can be able to get to them a whole lot easier than you can with that religious thing on them. But yet notice he says the carnal mind shuns it because a carnal mind knows nothing about it. No wonder the carnal mind doesn't know it. Listen, 
Because it's Satan. Do you understand what you had when you were lost? The devil was in your soul. The devil was in your mind. God and the devil can't be in there at the same time. So the carnal mind or the nature, the soul, because it's Satan in the carnal mind, then that must die. And Satan is exposed and Satan does not want himself exposed. So then after we're born again, we have access then into the mind of Christ. Now when we get there, then we start seeing things in a total different way. We start believing things in a way that we can never believe with the carnal mind. Now we could be religious with a carnal mind, go to church with a carnal mind, believe in a heaven, believe in a hell, believe in a devil, believe in a God, all of that with a carnal mind and yet never truly experience him in the new birth. Now watch in Romans chapter 12 verse two, Paul says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing. Look at this word, a renewal, a renovation, complete change for the better. Now remember, we're not talking about your brain. We're not talking about the cells and the brain matter in your skull, but we're talking about the spiritual aspect that anoints your reasoning, your thinking, your mentality, your perception, your ability to judge between right and wrong. Look how dark it is. Look how dark it is. People don't know if they're a man or a woman. We're gonna help buy some Bibles for a country in Africa. Some of the, our believing brothers and sisters have never owned a Bible since they've been a Christian. So we're working with Brother Jeff Snodgrass and some other brothers. So he called me one day this week and was telling me that they were trying to find some in the country there to see if we could save the duty and all of that of buying it here because it cost a tremendous amount of money to do it. So he contacted a Bible society there in that country, one of the brothers there that we're working with, and he got back with Brother Jeff and told him that this Bible society is changing their versions of the Bible. And they're making the version of their Bible gender neutral. So I told him, I said, I am not interested in buying nobody, no gender neutral Bible. Well, he said, I knew you wouldn't. He said, we wouldn't either. Now, can you imagine? So they're so-called Christians and they're printing these Bibles and handing them out in these countries of Africa. And I know this society, it's an international society. And they are handing them out all over the world. Now, many of these people that don't know the difference, they're gonna pick this up and read this because they've never had a Bible in their life. So they're gonna read this and, and they're gonna think in their mind, well, you mean God is neither a man or a woman and uh, he and her and she and him and all that, we're not gonna read that no more? That ain't gonna be there? Now, we're not talking about a storybook. We're not talking about Cosmopolitan Magazine or Hot Rod Magazine or something like that. We're talking about God's Word. And yet so-called Christians are so spineless and it becomes such cowards. You're preaching with me this morning, I'm gonna lay her down. 
they have become so puny and so weak. Come on, somebody. And they ain't nothing but a bunch of barnyard chickens. And they're scared to death to tell the truth and preach the truth. My God is not neutral. My God is a he. And his bride is a she. He made an Adam and an Eve. Male and female created he them and called their name Adam. So someone from our church went through seven brew to get a drink the other day. And there was this thing that was there. Well, to the individual that went through there, it looked like a hymn to them. So they identified it as a hymn. But that shim wanted them to know that was not its pronoun. That's not my pronoun. Now don't get quiet. I mean, they've done seen your face on these cameras. You might as well say amen. They know you're here. They've seen your cars. Some of y'all is going to start wearing false faces to church, ain't you? Be Halloween every day of the year. That's where we're coming to, friends. Why? Carnal, and then you've got theologians and you've got deans and the religious college and the, our, our administration that's in the White House. They're blotting this out and we can't say he no more and she no more and him no more and her no more. Speak for yourself. I'm gonna say he, I'm gonna say she, I'm gonna say him, I'm gonna say her. My God ain't no pervert and I ain't no pervert. Come on, somebody. I've got the ability to discern right from wrong, and I've got the ability to tell a difference between a man and a woman. Dear Jesus, who is that for? (laughs) Notice this. The prophet says we have faith in our heart, the faith of God in our heart, and we can see it clear. It becomes a faith, then we speak it, and it comes into existence. Because the mind of Christ is in the man. That's what makes healings and so forth. When you get that perfect revelation, you just, what you're doing, then you know how to walk. Now, do we miss it many times? Of course we do. Y'all ever felt the Lord spoke to you about something and it proved out it wasn't the Lord after all? Go ahead, go ahead, come on, be brave, be brave. There you go, there you go. How many times have we heard people say, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that? Well, you know what? Sometimes we don't know if the Lord did or didn't, but we can be able to tell if it comes to pass or if it doesn't come to pass. So that element is always there. That's the scary part about the supernatural because the supernatural will push you out into a realm that sometimes it's uncharted waters and you don't have a scripture for it and you don't have one against it. So you really don't know. And Satan loves that realm 
as well as God does. But every born again child of God wants to be supernatural. How I many wants to be a supernatural, spiritual daughter of God, son of God? We do. We want to walk in the realm of the spirit, but there's an element of fear that goes along with it. Why? Because Satan himself is an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that he can transform his ministers as ministers of righteousness. So you mean the devil has got preachers? Way more than God does, actually. It don't take near as many for God to do more than what the devil can ever do. So the devil has to have more and he still can't do the, the negative effect of what God can do with a handful and a positive side. Well, I wish somebody would say amen. But you see, there's an element there that whenever we get the mind of Christ and God projects something to us and we really feel like it's the Lord, but we can always check it. Remember the prophet said, when you feel led to do something, check it with the word, make sure it's you, that you're called to do it and you're the one that's supposed to do it and all that. And he said, then put it with the word and consult your pastor. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, that's what he said. Now notice in proof of the resurrection, before this certain thing called the new birth ever happens to the man, he cannot go away at all to understand or either ever understand God or have any knowledge of God. Though the word speaks it, his mind can't comprehend it. So the word speaks it and he can read it right there in black and white and red the literal words of Jesus in red, and he can actually read it, but his mind, I just don't understand it. I, 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 just, I just can't get it. I just, he just can't do it until God begins to work on that soul. Now watch, he says his mind can't comprehend it because it's a human mind. He's got to have the mind of God in him to understand godly things. See, so all the reading, all the schools, all the teachings, as good as they may be, yet yeah, that's not the real principle yet. The human mind is an enemy to God. You've got to get out of your own human mind and be born anew by the Holy Spirit and get the mind of God in you. Then you can believe those things, then it becomes a reality. Now that's intellectual faith that will work in the human mind. It will allow you to believe a certain element about God. But if someone talks you into it, someone else can talk you out of it. But if God ever births his mind, think of what he does. He not only takes his chemistry of his blood and cleanses out our sin and absolutely annihilates it all, but he takes that sinful nature out that we were born with, which is associated with your mind, your psyche, and removes that and puts in the very mind of God and he can project to you visions and revelations and supernatural elements. It's a communication that only the initiated share. Years and years ago in the wars, they had what they call the code talkers. How many knows what I'm talking about? The code talkers. So the Navajo, the Navajo was some of the most famous ones. And the Navajo, they had their own language and then they were able with the military to develop this language and it was called code talk. 
Now, of course, what the Germans would try to do, they would try to catch up the frequencies of the Americans, and the Americans would do exactly the same thing for them. And everything they tried to use, and they would try to say things in such a way, we're going to move this battalion over here, and you know, the Air Force is coming in this way and that way, and the Germans would pick it right up, and they'd be ready. Well, the Americans did the same thing, of course. So they developed the code talkers. So the code talkers would get on the radio, and they go to talking in tongues, Well, that's what it would sound like to the Germans anyway. So they was actually talking in a language and the person that had the radio on the other end, they knew exactly what they were saying and the Germans are scratching their head trying to figure out what in the world are they talking about? And they never did, never. They never, listen to me, they never did break that code. They never did figure it out. As a matter of fact, some of those Navajo men that did that are just now getting their due respect and reward for what they did. Because there was lots of lives that were saved because of it and helped turn an element of the war because of that. And God developed code talking before the foundation of the world. So God knew what Satan would do. So God developed a way by which he would be able to talk to his own by means of revelation. And Satan, he knew, would be able to read the Bible. Don't you understand why God stripped revelation and why he stripped the spirit from the letter of the word? The letter killeth, but the spirit maketh alive. So if the letter, if the letter alone would have everything you need, every devil in hell can live the way they want to live, then before the end time comes, they'll pick up that red letter Bible, put it under their arm, walk right in the gates because they've got the truth right under their arm. But they know that Bible better than any of us will ever know it as far as knowledge, but they don't have the proper radio for code token. Oh, glory. So whenever they hear it, they don't understand it. It makes no sense to them. And they see you and I changed by the power of God and they can't understand how could we be changed. We were born like everybody else. Look at everybody in our family. Look at the way they turned out. You should have been the same way or worse, but you're not. Why? You received your own personal receiver called predestinated seed. That gave you the ability when Father spoke your name, something inside of you woke up and said, yes, my Lord, yes, my Lord, what is it? You responded to the code talking, oh, hallelujah. That was wonderful when that happened, but that was just the beginning of your code talk language. As a matter of fact, the code come back to you to get sanctified, and then the code come back to you to get the Holy Ghost, and then the code come back to you that there was a message in the land brought by a prophet of God. Come on, somebody. Let's have church this morning. I don't mind telling you the real elect of God are still hearing code talk. And they are responding to the code talk. And the code talk saying, don't go there. Don't go here. Don't get caught up in that. And those that have the receiver said, yes, sir. Exactly right, sir. Thank you for that message. And the devil said, what do he say? What do he say? I don't understand what he said. But the code talkers understand exactly and before long we're going to receive another message hallelujah and the dead in Christ which were also part of the code talkers are going to rise from the dead and we which are alive and remain will hear from the code talk and we will be changed in a moment hallelujah 
The devil said, what did he say? Did you understand what he said? I couldn't hear it. I got as close as I could, but I couldn't understand it. Jesus said, you're mine. You're my seed. I chose you before the world began. Have no fear. I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. And the devil said, I don't know what it was. I had him talked out of going to church. I had him plumb talked out. He wouldn't want to serve God no more. And that little buzzer went off on that funny looking radio that he carries down inside of his soul. Hallelujah. And I, you know, he must have got some kind of message because I seen that frown turn upside down and I seen a smile come on her face. And I said, her, get up, go ahead and iron her clothes and say, well, I think I'll go ahead and go to church. And I said, oh no, I didn't think she was going to church today. She's a code talker. He's a code talker. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why? They've got the ability to hear from heaven. And they don't just hear it through the preacher. They hear it through their own soul. You have to move your thoughts. You have to move your thinking. Get away from reason. And move your thoughts from your own way of thinking to what God thinks. Let the mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you. Then when you begin to think his thoughts, you'll begin to live his life. Oh my Lord. So when you begin to think God's thoughts, you begin to live God's life. So I reckon God is living in a world of depression, sadness. Nobody loves me. Poor old me. We'll never get no higher until we get out of our thinking and live in the thinking, I am loved. I am cared for. He left heaven for me. I have value. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. I was looking back through the rest of my notes. I still ain't got all that confession stuff done that I preached to you months and months ago. I was looking at this week and I thought, Lord, have mercy. I've been out there in this big boomerang going way out here. If the Lord tarries, we'll get back at it again. But I began to look at some of the stuff that the Lord had given me to write down. I thought, oh my Lord, this ought to bring a revival to a Baptist, much less a real bride message member. To be able to look and see everything that you are in Christ Jesus, you are forgiven, you are justified, you are sanctified, you are called, you are elected, you are ordained or predestinated, you are undefeatable, hallelujah, you are undefeatable, you cannot go to hell, you cannot be lost, you cannot perish, you are absolutely a word born child of God, there is nothing that will ever defeat you, I don't care what the devil does, I don't care what Satan ever does. He'll never be able to stop this predestinated bride. She is the word. You cannot stop the word. Now do you realize all that big fat mouthful I just said ain't my thoughts? I would have never said that a few years ago until I got my radio. 
darling. Yes, 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 Lord, yes, yes. You're going to have to think my thinking. Okay, Lord, teach me, teach me. Donnie, tell your people they are me because I become them. I become them that they might become me. Tell them, Donnie, they're looking at the wrong thing. Tell them, I place my own self inside of them. Now I feel like another language coming on. (laughs) Woo! Glory! You have to get away from your reason. Move your thoughts from your own way of thinking to what God thinks. Oh my. When you begin to think his thoughts, you begin to live his life and do the things he did. You see what I mean? Now because it's not you, it's Christ. We cannot alter God's word. We have to alter our thinking to his thinking. I still think too much like a Reagan. You still think too much like a Martin, a Gilruth, a Palmer, a Smith, a Weber? Come on, somebody. I want you to notice he doesn't say God alone will do this. But we have to alter our thinking. Let the mind of Christ be in you. Then you'll think like he thinks. Praise God. You've got to completely surrender your own thoughts, your own will, your own mind. And let the mind of Christ operate in you. Now, when you notice, you do think Christ would, the mind of Christ in you would say, the days of miracles is past. Do you think the mind of Christ in you would say, the Bible's right in some places and not in others? The mind of Christ would sanction every word that Christ ever said. Amen. Now, there's human faith, then there's the faith of God. And you must have godly faith to believe. Now then, to have godly faith, you must have the mind of Christ in you. That's how God projects. How many knows what a projector is? Okay, you're looking at the effects of two of them right here. Right there's one. Over there's the other one. A projector. The screen does not have the ability to put those words upon itself. There's another one right back here. So the brothers control it from their computer there, which I send them these quotes, scriptures, images, whatever I want them to project. They download it. I send it to Jackie Tipton, Michael Bailey, audio, support, and Donnie, just in case they all lose theirs. So we all get it every service. Then they upload it to the computer so you can be able to read it there. And it comes from this projector. Now there's a line, of course, that's tied into it. But if I put up A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, that's what you're gonna see. If I put up a a picture of the Eiffel Tower, that's what you're gonna see. 
So it comes from the head to the head, through the machinery, to the body. Amen. And the body can sit there and say, mmm, 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 boy, that is so good. Man, that is some kind of good eating. You know, like Brother Ben said, a, a, a horse eating clover, that you go to church and I mean, you're just having to sit there and nearly wipe your mouth from the Holy Ghost slobbers. That's right. He said, Lord, that is so rich. That is so good. I'm telling you what, my daughter, Alicia, she makes some of the best desserts you ever ate in your entire life. But them things are so rich, oh my goodness, you about go in a sugar shock whenever you eat them. But they are really good. Oh, that's the kind of word I want to be able to feed you all. I don't I don't want to just high dose you on sugar. I want some protein. I want some nutrients. I want some vitamins. I want some things that you need. You'll be able to walk out of here and say, where'd that devil go anyhow? Where'd that devil go? We want to be able to leave this place charged by the power of God. Not just while we're here, but when we walk out of there, we're armed and ready. We are soldiers because it's been projected to us. Now then, to have God in faith, you must have the mind of Christ in you. That's how God projects to you visions, revelations. How many's got a revelation of the serpent seed? It wouldn't make no difference what doctor of theology, what preacher, anybody else tried to talk you out of it. The Father projected it to you. And you may have read Genesis 3 for years and years, but one day it came through the proper channel and it was projected right there in your walkie-talkie and all of a sudden it just opened up. So I'm like, glory to God, that serpent seeds of the devil. I say, glory to God, it sure is. The doctrine's a revelation from God, but the serpent seed is definitely of the devil. I mean, literally of the devil. Could they take that away from you? How can these people that's walked away from the message in the last several years done what they've done? I'll tell you why. The Father never projected it to their soul. They read it in a book and somebody else talked them into it and somebody else talked them out. But if it's a revelation, there ain't enough devils in hell to get it out of you. The devil himself could not get it. If he aggravated you every day, you'd look over him and say, get on back down to hell. I've done been projected by the power of God. I've got a built-in screen. I've got a built-in receiver. You can't have my revelation. Oh, I wonder how many of you, the sickness tried his best to steal it from you. Jesus looked at Peter that day and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Well, I guarantee one thing. If Jesus paid, prayed for Peter, I'd say he's mentioned my name a few times. 
I'd say, Brother Rob, he's mentioned you. I'd say, Sister Sarah's mentioned you. Brother Dowdy's probably mentioned you. I'd say more than likely everybody in this building today, the Lord Jesus has called your name. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we've got a high priest right there before the presence of God. Father, Father, give them strength. Send the angels of God, dispatch them down to you and be able to project to you that revelation. And through all the storms, it holds on. Through all the sickness, it holds on. I got a thing from one of my minister friends not long ago and said, Brother Donnie, the devil wasn't just after Sister Erica's health. He was after her faith. I thought, yeah, that was it. And he said, not only hers, but yours. But he said, through this whole thing, she was faithful. As I mentioned to you the other day, Lance is on the same floor down the hospital, Elizabeth, and where Erica was, in a room directly across the aisle from where Erica was and where Erica left us from that room. And I thought, oh Lord, why did I have to be? Why did I have to be? But I don't know how many nurses has come into the room where he's been. So I'm not telling him how they were affected by Erica's life. I took the girls down there to see him the other day and two of them come in and standing there crying. One lady said she'd been in medicine for 28 years and hadn't cried for nobody until she met Erica. I thought, praise God, a life lived by the word is the word expressed, not a preacher, not a deacon. And some of you say, well, I've never done nothing from God. Live a life by the word. You are doing what demons cannot do. You don't have to be a preacher, sisters. You don't have to be a preacher, young people. Let God live his word out of you. Let God project to you visions and supernatural something or another. And you are doing something that great people, so-called, will never be able to touch Hallelujah. You cannot keep your same spirit. You cannot keep your same habits. You cannot keep your same thoughts. You got to die. You got to die like he died. You got to die on the altar like Abel did with his lamb. If you haven't heard this sermon, you must be born again in a while, 1961. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. You ought to listen to it again. He died. You've got to die on his altar. Like Abel did with his lamb. You've got to die with your lamb. Abel died with his lamb. You've got to die with yours. Christ Jesus. You've got to die. Die to your own thinking to be born. Born to his thinking. I always marvel. I don't think science yet even to this day has figured it out. How that some people can go into a coma. I heard of a few of them in COVID. And they went into a coma and say they spoke English. And they come out of the coma speaking French. They didn't know one word of French. Well, maybe go to McDonald's and say French fry. But here they come out, and they're, you've heard of that, haven't you? People going into a coma, and, and all of a sudden they come out, and it's like they don't know one more word of English. But something happened when they were out, and they come to speaking another language. <laughs> and you think, how is that even possible? 
that a person would get this vocabulary in their brain and speak it fluently. I'm not talking about saying French fry and crepe and lean and tire of pizza and uh, you know this. And <laughs> but they come out speaking fluent language. So you imagine a person dying. They are the altar of Christ. And they die. And they come back to life again. And they raise talking code talk. They raise talking God talk. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I love the Lord Jesus. People say, I never thought I'd ever hear him say that. I've heard him say the name of Jesus before, but it wasn't that way. Well, I never thought I'd ever, what in the world happened to him? He died and woke up speaking another language. He died and when he come to, he was so different because the mind which was in Christ Jesus come in him. There is the soul. You got to think his thoughts. The word of God always attracts the spiritual mind because it is the mind of Christ in you that knows that the word is true. Oneness, we're gonna have to be one with him. Let the mind that was in Christ be in you. Then Christ, his own mind in you, will recognize every word that he wrote. This is why people can dissect. Well, I believe this part. I believe John 3.16. Well, I sure ain't taking that Acts 2.38. Well, then Christ is not in you. Because Christ in you knows Acts 2.38 is the word just like John 3.16 is. Praise the Lord. Note it. Let the mind that was in Christ, is that what the Bible said? The mind that was in Christ being you? What kind of mind did he have? Stay with the word. Spoken words of original seed. The mind that's in Christ in you, the mind's in Christ in you will take the word just like he did because he was the word. Paragraph, page 97, paragraph five. Let your walks, your talks, your moves, everything you do be in the word of God. Let the mind of Christ come into you That'll pregnate you with the word. If you don't, let the denominational mind come in you. You become denominational pregnated. If you let the mind of Christ come in you, he can't deny his own word because he's God. Now remember when he's studying for this sermon, spoken words, original seed, and the spirit of God spoke to him and said, pick up your pen and write. You believe whatever you wish to. I believe it's the same author that told Paul to pick up his. Do you, Brother Jonathan? I love this. Here is the secret. The word is in the bride and the mind of Christ to know what he wants done with the word. She does it In his name, she has, thus saith the Lord. Don't you understand, friend? Many message people have got the word for this day, but it's evident they don't have the mind. They don't know what to do with it. They argue, they fuss, they debate, they make cults out of it. I understand why some people look at some of the message followers and say, them people ain't nothing but a cult. I understand. I'll call some of them a cult because that's what they are. 
Why? They get the word, but they don't get the right mind. So they look at it and they read it and they put their own thoughts with the message and then they come up with all this occult ideas. But the bride not only gets the books and the tapes, she gets the mind to know what to do with the books and the tapes. So the real bride members of Christ, they don't get the books and the tapes and say, well, I don't need to go to church no more. I don't need a pastor no more. They're missing the mind of Christ. If you get the books and the tapes and then you'll hear the prophet say, say what the tapes say, not push play what the tapes play, but say what the tape. come on somebody. And that ain't just for the preacher, that's for you to say what the tapes say. Oh, let the mind that was in Christ be in you if that same mind's in there with the same power that's in there. You'll do the same works that he did. Let the mind of Christ be in you and it molds the character of a son of God. Just listen a minute. How can we have the mind of Christ that was in him and then deny the things he commissioned us to do? How can we place miracles in the past when the very Christ himself was God and God in you? In the presence of God, amen, there's always miracles. Is that right, Brother Paul? In the presence of God, there is always miracles. Let me find a place to wind down. In the seventh seal. Now remember, this is the eighth day. The eighth day of the SEAL series, last service. He's been in the presence of God alone. Each angel came each day with a revelation of the mystery of that SEAL, which was made known only unto them. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine how awesome it must have been on the day when the seventh SEAL is going to be opened? And he sees his own angel. No longer Paul, Luther, Wesley. <laughs> well, I'll give you something to think about it anyway. At least some of you should wait now. <laughs> the seventh angel held the mystery of that seventh seal. That one angel that I looked at had notable look about him. Remember I told you, had his wings all stuck out. That one notable angel the one that meant more to me than all the others, the thing I've wondered about my whole life. What was it? The mystery of the seventh seal. He had an attachment to the seventh seal. He didn't mention about the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, but he wondered about the seventh seal his whole life. Why? His radio was tuned for the seventh age. Amen. Aren't you glad yours is too? Look, friend, let's just face the facts. That's what's wrong with some of these people around the message. Their radio ain't really tuned for the seventh age. They're tuned for some pastor somewhere. They're tuned for some preacher on the internet. I'm so glad mine is tuned to Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10, 1 to 7. Come on, somebody. I tell you one thing, as long as I'm alive and in my right mind and the pastor of this church, I'm still gonna preach the value and the importance of God's prophet messenger to this age. We need to hear what he said. We need to see say what he said. It's going to be what he said that's going to build a rapturing faith in our souls. 
and get us out of here. So here he's nearly beside himself by the eighth day. He answers questions that morning and answers them wrong. You know, he's just beside himself and somebody called it and, and he called him one of them. And then, so he just talks about this, the prelude leaving up to this paragraph 35. And he's talking about being weary and being in the presence of God. And he said, may I just pass this to you when the supernatural comes in. That's the mind of Christ. And you become so far away from your own thinking to your own mind. And you'll see those marks I put there because he went on down to explain it a little bit more. And he said, he tried to explain it. But he said, well, just, just let me not, not try to explain it because it can't be explained. So when the supernatural comes in, there's the mind of Christ. Let's stand. Let's jump down to the next quote here, brothers. Let's skip these scriptures there in Ephesians 4. We'll pick it up again, Lord willing, next time. We buried that first nature. That first nature is gone. Now we are in the nature of Him. He lives in us. We don't do our own will. We do his will. We don't think our own thoughts. The mind. The mind is what thinks. The mind that was in Christ Jesus is in every believer. There, there is the soul. There is the soul. What is the soul? He tells us over and over again, the soul is the nature of your spirit. So he said, your body didn't die, your spirit didn't die, but your soul died. I've quoted that to y'all for years, don't get so quiet. Your soul, which was the nature of your spirit. You see, some people have the marriage of the Lamb, an invisible union. They have it that God took that old nature and that old soul and saved it, washed it, cleaned it all up, and made it new. He could never say about that old soul that you never sinned in the first place. But there was a seed laying there, a soul of God, which was in God before the foundation of the world. That's from your prophet messenger now. A soul of God that was in God before the foundation of the world. So you must bring that own nature led on the altar of God with your sacrifice. And the Spirit of God comes down and kills that nature. And then a phoenix transpires. Then that new nature, that seed which lay there dormant for years, for decades sometimes, it caught the breath of life. <gasps> That's the part that when he refers to, you never did it in the first place. It wasn't that you were just forgiven. You were forgiven of that old life, yes. But that old nature, 
It's dead. Annihilated. Gone forever. Now remember that nature, in a sense, was feminist gender. I can see why Satan wants to go that way because it messes up the whole program of God. So God projected a part of his own self. That little seed gene of you, you were in his thinking. You see, when I was born July the 9th, 1956, and whenever I took the breath of life, I don't know how long it was. Of course, I didn't know my mama before that time, but I know she was a sweet lady when I knew her. According to what we're taught in the message of our mama must have got a little bit sweeter because that little angelic body was hovering around mama waiting for this human tabernacle to be born of a union between Don and Betty Reagan. I went along, been born a little Reagan, a little heathen. Didn't know nothing about God, but didn't go to church. But one day, Mama went to church, and I could see something happened to Mama. Daddy drove stock cars, and Daddy lived like any normal sinner, you know, drank, smoked, and this and that and the other. Didn't want nothing to do with church. So I seen Mama, and I know there's something different about her, so I didn't know how to pray, so I went to Mama and asked her. You've heard me tell this many times. Mama, how do you pray? So my uncle was having a rival at his church, and I went, and I got down to the altar, and I began to pray. They told me I had to be baptized, so I said, okay. So we didn't have a baptistry, but we went down to the, it was a lake. They broke the ice, because it was in January. It was real shallow, and they busted the ice, baptizing me in titles. But the little seed started heavenward. I come from Trinitarian to Jesus only, back to I'm not sure, then back to Jesus only. And then, you know, I was all over the map. Many of us had the seven church ages written in our whole life, didn't we? But one day, one day, I was making a radio broadcast for a preacher that I worked for. And I did the intro and the outro, and then I would play part of his sermon. So I'd say, you know, so-and-so-and-so, this is so-and-so, and, you know, here's this and this, and now you'll hear a fiery sermon preached by so-and-so, and, you know, and then I would click into the sermon and let it play around 12, 12 and a half minutes, something like that. And I noticed some books above his little desk there where I was working, and I reached up and picked one of them out. This man's theme song was, he was more than a man. I finally figured out where that come from. But I still had some Pentecostal tradition and I was a proud Pentecostal preacher. So Carol was already reading the books and listening to the tapes and so was Harry. <laughs> and they saw it before I did. I said, I'll, I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. You know, I, all right, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. But one day, God said, today is the day. And he pulled back the veil from that seed. I said, praise the Lord. I shouted, I jumped, I ran, I spoke in tongues. I'd done all that in Pentecost. But let me be honest with you. I never had in my soul what I do now. I couldn't have been born under the message of Malachi 4 under Laodicean preachers. 
and neither were you. I'll tell you when some of you got it, when you got under the ministry of a God called man ministering Malachi 4, and that's when you truly got born again. And when that happened, the mind of Christ came in. Don't, want you, don't you want to live this way? Don't, don't you want this to be your guidepost so you, you think this way, you talk this way, you're a code talker. And you pull what you do through the word. You pull everything about you through the word. Because you can trust it. How many knows we can't trust ourselves? We still can't even trust this because this still ain't, don't have it. This will argue with God. I've told you before, every controversial sermon that I've ever preached, I've known in myself if I do it, I'm going to get in trouble. I've known if I do it, there'll be all kinds of friends that'll leave me. They're going to blast me this, this, and this. I've got enough sense to know that. But the soul says, you're going to obey you or you're going to obey the Spirit of God. You know from my past record which one I obey, right? Hey, that's what we want to be all of our records. Let the mind of Christ get in you. It will empower you to overcome every devil of hell. Right, Sister Susie? It's Barriott's. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus. How many would like to be remembered today? Maybe there's some here today and you know you love the Lord Jesus with all of your heart, but maybe you've just never stepped into that yet. Some of you might have the Holy Ghost in your spirit. Now remember, Brother Branham says that Elvis Presley had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I know his mother and his pastor. He incorporated, he was an assembly of God, he incorporated the shouting and the dancing of Pentecost into the rock and roll music. And it went over with the world and took them by storm. But actually, he learned that shaking in church. And he brought it to thousands and thousands of young people. Introducing with others rock and roll. And he had the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For those who were close friends with Elvis Presley, after every concert... They'd either gather on the stage when everybody was gone or gather in his hotel room. The Stamps Quartet worked with him. I've heard some of them talk about it. And he would always sing religious songs. How great thou art, amazing grace, on and on and on. But he sold his birthright and his gift to the devil. How sad. How sad. So we want more than that. Oh, may you today, if you're standing here with a baptism in your spirit, may you just, how do I do it, Brother Don? It's quite simple, really. From the control tower of your soul,
Open up your soul and let God move from your spirit and step into the realm of your soul. So a person could be baptized by the Holy Ghost in their spirit and it never be in their soul. Just like when me or any of these brothers baptize people in this baptistry and we will put our hand to nose. You've seen it done many times. Our hand over their nose and mouth. If every inlet to their body is closed, no water will go in their body. But they were baptized. Oh, friends, let's just make sure. Let's just make sure that we're not trying to do it ourselves. Let God step into your soul. How do you look at the Word? How do you judge everything? By feelings? By emotions? Do you judge impartially? You judge one way, and then if it's your best friend, you judge another way? Oh, that's not the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ will judge everything by the Word of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, while we stand here in this awesome presence, may this be the day that some of them for the first time will die on the altar. We realize in this world it comes down to two categories of people. Those who are born once, those who are born twice. Those who are born once miss the rapture, go to the tribulation period, and bombs are in the hangars today with our names written on them. Oh, Jesus, hide us, Father. Hide us, Lord God under the cover of thy wings. Oh, Adonai, as it was when the angel of death moved to the land of Egypt. Only your people who had obeyed the word. Mercy was not given just because they were Jews. Mercy was not given because they even lived among the Jews, but because they obeyed the prophet's command from God. Take the blood, take hyssop, put it over the door, roast the lamb, eat it with bitter herbs. They had to follow that message to the letter. They couldn't leave out this one, leave out that one. I don't think we need this. I don't think we need that. If they did, they perished with the unbelievers. And the prophet tells us the last plague that will hit the earth before the rapture, of course, is spiritual death. People are dying in the masses, Lord. Dying. And what's so sad is it's striking message churches too. They're letting go of this teaching of the messenger and that one and another and another. Help us, Lord God, that we'll hold on to it with everything we are, Father, and never let it go. Oh, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord God. We bless your name, Father. In the name of Jesus. 
Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the King? Now let the Lord, let the Lord just deal with your heart, each of you. There's not a question in my mind that many of you have already passed from death unto life. But for some of you being a pastor, I have to wonder, knowing that you're up and down and in and out and this and that. Oh, children, I'd be less than a servant of God if I wasn't honest with you today and tell you the truth. Some of you holding grudges in your heart and can't forgive people. How can the Holy Ghost dwell in your soul and you not forgive the way Jesus did? But it's hard, Brother Donnie. I believe me. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And your flesh may not be able to lead you to it, but Jesus and your soul, like Jesus and my soul, will help us to forgive. When that person's name is mentioned, oh, we meet them on the street. We have no hatred, no animosity in our hearts toward them. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, may you sweep down this place today, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. May deaths take place in this service. May they climb up on the altar of God. We know, Lord, the wrath of God has to fall on our own nature. It has to be judged. It cannot be raised. It must die. There on the altar of God, it dies. And the seed life from another world is quickened in its place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord God. If there's any sick here among you today, I can say to you as a possessor, of the mind of Christ. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the healer of all thy diseases. You're bound, you're oppressed, be set free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. I bless your name, Jesus. We worship you, Father. Now, let's just take a few moments before we go and let's just love him now. Worship him. Let's create an atmosphere here that he can be able to move among us. We know the preaching is one anointing and this kind of changes a little bit. Let's just, let's just change with it. Sometimes it takes a few minutes for the channel to, to change and, and go in another direction. But let's just give him a little bit of time. After all, what do you have to do the rest of the day that's more important than somebody getting filled with the Holy Ghost? Somebody getting healed. Somebody getting set free from a tormenting devil. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you, Lord. We bless your name, Father God. May your mind, O oh Lord God, may your mind be able to think through us. Think through me now, Father.
for the remaining portion of this service, Lord. I give my mind, my mouth, my being. These people here, we give everything we are to you, Lord. Our hands, our mouth, our lips to praise you. Our hands we lift up, Lord, to glorify your name. Praise the Lord God. We worship you, Jesus. Sing for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you, Jesus. An old friend of mine. We worship you, Jesus. I've not seen for some time. Hallelujah. Will stop by and ask me where I've been. Yeah. What's on my mind? Thank you, Lord Jesus. The wonder why I'm not drinking. Thank you, Lord. And how painting this whole town. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I tell we worship you, serving Jesus now. That old, and that old man, old man well, he's dead. Is dead. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And the man you see before you may look a lot the same. I may wear the same clothes. Oh, Jesus. Have the same old name. You're looking on the outside. If you could see inside instead. see a brand new man the old man I used to live a wicked life I had no peace inside I was lost in darkness Searching for the light Then one night in a little church After hearing what the preacher said I gave my life to Jesus And the old man is dead How many of you say amen to that this morning? Thank you, Lord And the man you see, the man you see before, before you, you. Oh, oh, oh. May look a lot the same 
Hallelujah. You're looking on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Outside. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If we you could see inside instead. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You could see Jesus. there's a brand new Oh, hallelujah. I'm not the same. Because the old man is dead. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord. Part of our rights, we'll get into it maybe in a week or so. Part of our rights is the people of God is that we have been called into a new order of priesthood. Not only are we the temple of God, but we serve in that temple as priests. As priests, we bring sacrifices. One of the prophets of the Old Testament said that we would come to the Lord with words. And he also said that we would come with the calves, C-A-L-V-E-S, calves of our lips. So a calf, of course, was an offering of the Old Testament. But you imagine Hosea saying it so many years ago and saw that there would come a time that people would come into the presence of God and the sacrifice that they would offer God would be like a burnt offering in the Old Testament. And it would simply come from the calves of their lips. So your lips today are calves by which you can raise and open your mouth and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. I praise you. I adore you. I worship you. What a privileged people we are. Can we do that before we go? Let's change it, Harry. Sing something. Go another little direction there. Let's just worship him now. We don't have a bloody ram or a lamb to bring to him, a turtle dove or a pigeon. But these hands at one time held beer, cigarettes, whatever more filth of the world. Today they are washed and cleansed. And now we can raise them up in the presence of Jehovah. Our lips, which at one time spoke words that should never be uttered out of a human's mouth. Now we can lift up praise and adoration and worship. And God accepts it as from the priesthood of Melchizedek. Praise God. Every one of you men, women, boys, and girls are a priest unto the presence of God. We worship you, Jesus. As a priest, Father, I stand here before my fellow priests. We have come to the house of God today. I have fulfilled the scripture of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. I don't believe I'm the only one. I believe others have come here for the same purpose today. So we give our bodies as a living sacrifice. We raise our hands, our lips, We let your spirit flow through our bodies, our lungs, take in the breath that you gave us and push out words of praise. From the calves of our lips will come divine 
adoration. Only you know how to really adore you. We would approach it in a carnal means every time. But if we can let the mind of Christ be in us, we'll worship different than we've ever worshiped before. Because it'll be deity inside of us, worshiping deity. Oh, Jesus, we worship you today, Father. We bless you, Lord. How many wants to present your body as a sacrifice? The fruit of your lips as a sacrifice. Brother Donnie, I don't feel like it. I don't have much joy. That'll make it a greater sacrifice for you then. Let it be a real sacrifice. Oh, it can be so a sacrifice when it comes from a burdened heart. It ain't hard to praise him from a joyful heart. But when a heart is so burdened and so troubled and the body is so afflicted and so sick, and then when you offer praise, you're talking about a sacrifice up in the presence of God. Oh, David said it this way in the book of Psalms. Let my prayers be as the evening incense. So, Lord God, our worship, our praying, our praise, once we become priests of this new order, it goes into a different realm. People may look at concerts and they think, well, we're doing exactly the same thing. They are not exactly. Not exactly. Most of them are worshiping from the outer court if they're even in that far. But the bride, your sweetheart, is not worshiping from the outer court. We're worshiping from the inner sanctum. We've walked in behind the veil and the veil has dropped behind us. We know the kings of the eastern settlements and civilizations, they had a holy place in their own palace, the inner sanctum it was called. Even family members could not go there without being beckoned. Only the personal private bodyguards of the king and very select few people ever got there, unless, of course, the king beckoned them to come. Oh, great king, I feel you pulling me to come into that inner sanctum to play today, into that holy place, oh, Jesus, to worship, to adore. I bless your name, Father. Let's just worship him, children. Close your eyes. Get your mind off your lunch. Now remember that old, that old part of your flesh still there. Your mind will roam here and there and go somewhere else. But just bring it subject to the Spirit of God in your soul and say, shut up. I'm going to worship God for a few more minutes. I'm going to praise him. So what if this is your last service that you'll ever get to be in? Wouldn't you want this to be the best one that you ever did? Wouldn't you want to walk out of them doors and feel like, God, I gave you my best. Hallelujah. Sing there. Let's worship him now. Forget about the brother, sister standing by you, your mom, your daddy, even maybe your needs. Don't worry about your needs right now. Now this is you worshiping him. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow, here I am to say that you're 
Bow down. 
to say, you're my God. You're my, you're my God. first, my last, my alpha, my omega. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All together worthy. Hallelujah. Wonderful to Here I am to worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. Clap your hands, all you people. Hallelujah. Shout unto the voice with the voice of triumph. Shout unto the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's bow our heads together. Father, it's been a wonderful day to be in your courts. Thank you for another opportunity given to us, Lord, that we could assemble together. May we take what we've heard, ruminate over it like sheep do, Father. May you go with us. Watch over us. Keep us from the evils of the age. Bring us back again Wednesday night if it be pleasing to you. Be mindful of the needs of all your children, Father. Keep us until that great day arrives when we start seeing our loved ones. And then we'll know it won't be long. Father, you see our sister Judy Dyer. Lord, and hospice has stepped in. Our sister has been for several weeks now crying and praying to go home. Lord Jesus, If this is her time, may you make her passing easy, Lord God. May you send some of the saints of God down at the river to meet her father. Oh, what a relief it'll be to be called out of this pest house that she's been in for so long. Be with Brother Dan, Lord. Be with her children, her grandchildren. Help them, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You love the Lord? Yeah. You love one another? Yeah. Turn and shake hands with somebody. Tell them it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Let's pick something up a little fast. Whatever's on your heart. Something faster. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. See you, Lord willing, Wednesday night. It's been good to be the house of the Lord. So love you and appreciate you today. Just go in the fear of God. May God keep you. May he draw him near to your heart. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, we don't care what the devil don't like. We're going to praise with all our mind. The devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. Well, the devil don't like what's going on around here. We don't care what the devil don't like. We're going to praise our God today. The devil don't like what's going on. Like a shout loud around here. Oh, the 
Praising God around here. 